Russell Rock here with the next Wyoming book that I have. It's called Wyoming Rugged by Diane Palmer. Chapter 1. Nicolette Aston's father was always trying to get her to go out on dates. She loved rocks, men, not so much. She was an introvert, shy and quiet with people she didn't know. She had a lovely face, a complexion like peaches and cream with long, soft, platinum blonde hair and eyes the color of a foggy September morning. Her figure was equally pretty, but she refused dates right and left. There was a man in her life. He just didn't know it. He thought she was too young. Sadly, that didn't keep her from longing for him. Because of that, she kept to herself. She avoided dating all through college by going out with her girlfriends. But her friends said she needed involvement. They insisted that she needed to get out in the world and date somebody. They meant, well, perhaps... She did need to get out more. It wasn't as if the object of her affection was ever going to reciprocate them. So at as the end of the semester neared, they set her up with this man. She didn't know him. He wasn't from Cataloo, Wyoming, where she lived on her father's cattle ranch. Her date was from Billings, Montana, where she went to college. At the moment, she wished she never agreed to book two blind dates. He was inconsiderate and frankly rude, especially when she insisted on being brought home to the family ranch instead of going to her date's apartment. The ranch wasn't so far away, just about a 20-minute drive, but Nikki knew what was likely to happen if she agreed to go home with the man. However, out of fashion, it might be among her fellow college students and buildings, she didn't go with the crowd. Harvey, her date, refused to believe that any girl would refuse his advances. After all, he was a football star at college both he and Nikki attended, and he was very good-looking. He was used to women falling all over him, but Nikki wouldn't. <laughs> you have to be out of your mind, the young man Harvey muttered as he pulled into her driveway and raced up to the front steps of the Grand Victorian Mansion. There aren't any women left in the country. We don't sleep around these days, for God's sakes. There are some. I'm one. She said, I agreed to go to dinner with you, Harvey. Only to dinner. He made an angry sound in his throat, pulled up at her door. He studied her in the light from the front porch. Your old man home? He asked. Not yet, she said without thinking. He had a business meeting, but a friend of his is coming to stay with us for a few days. He should be here any minute. It was a calculated lie. There was a friend named Blair Coleman who owned a multinational oil corporation. Nikki had seen him infrequently when he came home with her father. In fact, she'd had a flaming crush on him since she was 17, but he treated her like a child. So Blair Coleman was coming to stay. She just wasn't sure when. I have to go in, she added. I'll walk you to the door. He said he even went around the car to open the door for her. There was a calculating look on his face, but Nikki was too relieved to notice it. She unlocked the door. Go inside and she'd be free. Thanks, she said. No problem, he said with an odd, smug little smile. She put her key into the lock, noticing with a frown that it wasn't needed. The door was unlocked. Maybe her father was home after all. She started to tell Harvey goodnight and found herself pushed inside the house. He closed the door behind him. Now, he said, you've heard your little tease. Girls who date men always give out. Always. He grabbed her and wrestled her into the living room down on the sofa. Nikki was frail from the hospital visits that had left her weak and breathless. Even though she wasn't a tiny girl, she was slender, and she had no martial arts skills at all. 
Harvey was a football player with the muscle that came with the game. He had her on her back on the sofa, her long blonde hair fanned around her oval face. With its elegant complexion and pale gray eyes, she was flushed from the illness and breathless from the after effects of it. She did fight him, but she knew she'd never get away in time. He was trying something. He was trying to take something from her that should be right, be her right to give. She was furious. Being helpless made her even more angry. Let go of me, Trace, you idiot. I am not going to let you. Your hand stopped me. He panted, ripping the bodice of her dress as he held her down with his formidable weight. And there's nobody home who can. Oh, I wouldn't bet good money on that. A deep, grovelly voice mused from the doorway. Nikki glanced toward the voice, and there he was, larger than life. The regent's never dated Blair Coleman. Harvey was just tipsy enough not to realize how much trouble he was in, at least not until a man the size of a wrestler jerked him off Necky by his collar and slammed him down onto the floor. You can't do that to me. I play football. I'll put you through the wall. Harvey raged as he jumped to his feet and went for the big man. There's a deep chuckle. Harvey's rush was met with a fist the size of a ham and inserted itself into Harvey's diaphragm and sent him to his knees. While he was trying to recuperate from that, the big man jerked him up by his collar, drew him back his fist, and knocked the young man over the back of the sofa that a shock Nicky was still laid on. I'll tell my dad, the football started. He's got all sorts of words. I have a few of my own. Get your butt back here and apologize to this girl for what you tried to do. He had in a voice like him. I will not to boycott your choice. I don't really mind involving the sheriff's department. He was pulling out his cell phone as he spoke. Nicolette, I'm very sorry, the boy said at once, his face red as he stared at Nikki. She was on her feet by now, clutching her to her bodice together, her pair of eyes. Pet eyes were blazing without much modesty. Not as sorry as you're going to be when I tell my father what you tried to do, Harvey, she promised. He has some good lawyers, too. I was drunk, Harvey exclaimed. He glared at her. You can read about yourself on my Facebook page, he added with sarcastic remark. The big man moved closer. Harvey backed up. Let me give you some advice, Blair said quietly. Don't think about getting even with her online. I'll have my people checking just in case. The first time I see anything posted about her, you better be on your way out of the country before any of my security people can find you. Are we clear? He added, his stance is threatening. That's his deep voice. Yeah, yes, very clear, very. Blair jerked his head toward the door. Harvey took the hit. He didn't quite run for his car, but he got down the driveway in a hurry. Nikki got a better look at her rescuer when he came back from the window, making sure Harvey left. He was dressed casually, but in a designer slacks that clung to his broad, muscular thighs and an expressive green-knit shirt that outlined formidable muscles. He had a broad face with a big newt. Big nose and a beautiful, wide, chiseled mouth. His complexion was olive. His hair was wavy and jet black with a few strands of silver. His eyes were large and black as jet. They were deep set under thick eyebrows. His face looked as oversized as his hand. He was very fit for a man his size. There wasn't an ounce of fat showing anywhere on him. Nikki had adored him from the day her father brought him home to visit years ago, but since she'd been 17, there had been no man in her life at all. This one colored her dreams, made her ache for things she couldn't quite grasp. Thanks, Nikki said in her soft voice. I couldn't stop him. Her breathing was jerking somebody's mouth. You have asthma, don't you? She nodded. She nodded. And I'm just getting over pneumonia. She smiled. Thanks, Mr. Coleman. He smiled gently. Fierce look lovely. 
Here's Blair. It's nice to see you again, Nikki. Yeah, well, I would have preferred different circumstances. He admitted as he looked at her. She managed to laugh. Me too. I'm just glad you were here when I got home. She was still clutching me. Did he hurt you? Yes, yeah. I don't think so. Let's see. He drew down on the couch and his big hands moved gently to the foot pump. None of that. He chimed with you, but mistaking a reaction for shyness when it was actually sight. Such of his fingers and said, I'm way too old. I made a pass at a girl. Your age, besides, I'm engaged. Oh, story of my life, she thought to herself, that the only man I ever interested in takes of me as a child and he was getting married. She felt her heart break right in two, but she didn't let it show up. Relax, your death room. Sorry, I've had a bad night. I noticed. He drew the fabric away from her lacy little bra, but it wasn't the undergarment he was looking at. It was the bruises on what he could see of her pretty little firm breast, just above the cup of the bra. Beautiful little breasts clamped down hard on feelings he shouldn't even entertain, especially now. There were more bruises on her thin shoulders, he winced. I wish I hit him harder, he said in a cold, bitter, biting tone. He was so shocked when you showed up, she recalled with a laugh like tiny bells. He's a football star, you know, she grimaced. Goodness, I must be an idiot. I didn't even realize that he felt entitled to anything he wanted in life. <laughs> Sadly, some men think that way. Around, honey. He moved her so that he could draw the dress down. Look at her back. There were more bruises there. Is it bad? She asked. He drew in her breath, turned her back to him. His black eyes were moving. I think we need to take you to the emergency room and then talk to the sheriff. These bruises are on an outrage. It would be my word against it, she said quietly, searching the big room. I saw most of it. He reminded her. Yes, but you worked with us in the car. He could say I promised him whatever he wanted and then got cold feet. He cursed on. I don't like letting him get away with this. <laughs> He'll be much too busy explaining his verset, she said with a flame of humor. And when I go back to school, I'll swear to everyone I know that I gave them to him. She said with a little laugh. You know, he'll be a legend in his own time. Yes, he will, she promised. She cocked her head and looked at him. You don't look like a man who's getting into many fights, she said. You shouldn't smile. My father, odd how he hesitated with the word, if you don't, founded an oil company. He built it into a multinational corporation and grew me to run it. But his idea of management was to teach me the job from the bottom up. I started out as a roughneck working on oil rigs. He purchased it. The boss's son wasn't the most popular guy around. Plenty of other men that I'd be a pushover. I imagine it didn't take them long to learn the lessons. He said, smiling at him. Not long, though. He agreed. You'll have bruises, Nikki. I'm really sorry. It wouldn't have been much worse if you hadn't been here, she said. It began to catch up with her. She said, I've been on blind dates before in high school, but nobody ever tried to. Sorry, she faltered. He bent and scooped her up in his big arms. He sat down in an armchair, cuddled her in his lap. Get it out of your system, Nikki. I'm not afraid of tears. He said softly, brushing his mouth over her hair. She bawled. It was a rare thing, comfort. <laughs> her father had been a physical sort of man. He loved her, but he never kissed bruises or offered more comfort. Like Blair, he was an oil man, and he worked on oil rigs in his youth, too. Her mother had died when she was in grammar school, so it had just been her and Daddy most of her life here on the enormous cattle ranch he inherited from his father. She was 19, almost 20, and this was the first time she ever had anybody offer her a short cry on, except for Ida Haynes, the housekeeper. She pressed close to Blair's broad chest and moored 
mourned the loss of him. He was going to get married. She had this stupid idea that one day she'd grow up enough for him to finally notice her. That was a pipe dream, and it had gone up in ashes tonight. At least she thought he'd save her from the overly muscular brutes. <laughs> Poor little thing, he murmured. I'm sorry. I didn't know men could be like that. She said, I don't date much. I like to live in the past. I have a... I have been right at home in the Victorian age. I don't fit in the modern world. <laughs> Neither do I. He lifted his head. Still a virgin. She nodded. Oddly, it wasn't at all embarrassing to talk to him like this. Hang on. She felt as if she's always known him. Well, she had for several years. Dis if distantly. Daddy took me to church every Sunday until I went off to college. Confess. Some of the other girls at school say I'm stupid. They think any man would want to marry an innocent woman. They say I need experience, so I appeal to a man. She looked at him like he cares about. Is that right? She moved the damp pair away from her cheeks. She was almost otherworldly, yet in convenient places in China himself for that reaction to her. She was a child compared to him, even if she was gone. I think innocence is a rare and beautiful thing, he said after me. Now your husband will be a very lucky man. She smiled right. Thanks, super cool. No question. Indeed. Ask away. Will your wife be a very lucky woman? She has that urgently. He first I love. No. Empathetically, no. He searched for some You really are pain, aren't you? She licked her arms around his it. I truly hate it. She smiled. What's she like, your fiance? Black hair, blue eyes, beautiful, sophisticated, very artistic. He summed her up. And you love her very much? He smiled. She's the first woman I ever asked to marry me. I've been too busy making money to think about a private life. Well, about a permanent one at least. <laughs> Is she nice? You know, what a question. I mean, will she take care of you if you get sick and stay home and take care of the babies when they come along? She asked because she realized if she couldn't have them, she wanted happiness for them. But all things, but she made him uncomfortable. Eliza was uncomfortable with illness. She avoided it like the plague, and she already said that if she agreed to have a child, there would be a price, and it would be years from now. Why hadn't he considered that before? In fact, he'd been so busy that he'd fallen into the engagement without much consideration about com compatibility or children. He was so hungry for her that he'd have done anything to get her, including getting married. She kept him at fever pitch, always back in wages and time. Do you want children? She asked. took the strain of her hair around her. Yes, he said, but he sounded troubled. Did I put my foot in my mouth? She put when he smiled. No, Gore's not. He smiled faintly. I'd never consider those things. I'm sure she'll take care of me when I'm sick, though. That's good, then. She smiled up. You'll be a good husband, I think. He looked down at the torn dress. You poor little creature. He says, I'm sorry you had such a bad night. It ended better than it began. She replied. Front door opened and Todd, I asked and Nicky's father walked in, stopped dead in his tracks when he saw his friend and his daughter in the big armchair. Nicky was sitting Blair's lap. Her dress was torn and she looked. My friend Laura set me up on a blind date with Harvey the whore. She told her father not budging out of Blair's lap. He dragged me in here after I refused to go to his apartment with him. Mr. Coleman hadn't been here to stop and he'd have stopped on him. I'll have my lawyers contact his parents, Todd said nicely. I offered to take her to the emergency room and call the sheriff for side. She wouldn't. My poor girl. I'm sorry. I should have been home. This damn budget crunch drew me into emergency meeting. Worked. I know how that feels. <laughs> Look down at the girl. Better now. Yes, yeah, softly. Much better. Thank you for what you did. 
She added as she got reluctantly to her feet. It was nice being held. I'm glad to know. I'm glad to know I hadn't forgotten how to punch a man. He said, you hit him? Good for you. Todd said shortly. I'm going on up. Nikki said, well, I really am tired. You should have gone back to classes so soon. You should have gone back to classes so soon. Todd said, I couldn't afford to miss finals. I did the last one today. Just before Laura hooked me up with Harvey for a dinner celebration. She's like, on celebration. When you graduate, Ellis and I will take you out for champagne and lobster. Blair promised. She forced a smile and tried to pretend that her rope was me. That won't be for another year or two, but thanks. That will be nice. Unless. My fiance, Blair Subtract. We're getting married in two months in Paris. I'll make sure you two get an invitation. I doubt we can make it, but I'll send a present to Tossigree. Something tasteful, I promise. Good night, Nikki said. They echoed the words. Damn bounder. <laughs> Blair muttered when he and Todd shared sniffers. I brought him to his knees, made him apologize. She was pretty shaken. I haven't been much of a father. The old manifest. She's been on her own a lot. Too much, probably. How old is she? Blair. 19, almost 20. I remember being 19. <laughs> the other man chuckled. Beside the brave hunger he felt with. While Nikki was in his arms, she was years too young. And besides, he was getting married. Back in the dark ages, she's a nice girl. You done a good job raising her. Thanks. And thanks for saving her from the football hero. <laughs> he shut. What a friend's for, he asked. <laughs> the twinkling black eyes. A year later, when Blair came back to the ranch to spend a few days, he and Todd had seen each other socially on occasion, but he hadn't come to the ranch since the night Nikki had her bad encounter. He and Elise were having problems, big problems. He was brooding and wouldn't talk to Todd, but he talked to Nikki. It was the Christmas holidays, and the tree was glorious. Despite a few sick days, Nikki had managed to do all the decorating herself. The tree was nine feet tall, decked out on red beaded strands and red velvet bows with every sort of ornament for red Imaginable, especially mechanical ones. There were trains that ran, dancers who danced, starships that made blast off noises. It was glorious. I've never had a Christmas tree, but I had to confess, but I'm tempted after seeing this one. Nikki last one. You should have at least decorate one for you. She's not much for the holidays. <laughs> she cocked her head and looked up at him with warm, curious eyes. Aren't you? I like Christmas. It was my mother's favorite holiday. She was never, bu she was forever buying decorations. I still have them in storage. Sounds sad. She, said. she died over a year ago. She's been lonely. No brothers or sisters. She shook his head. My father died ten years ago. Again, at odd hesitation. It was just my mother and me. Now it's the least in you, she said, lowering her eyes. So you still have a family. Yes. His tone wasn't pleasant. You wonder why. He'd been so happy the last time they'd seen each other, talking about his upcoming marriage, bragging about his fiance. Now he was somewhere and quiet. They say marriages sometimes start rocky and end happy. She blurted out. He glanced down and was like, Do they now? Okay, I'm no authority on couples. Might remember my first and last attempt at it. She took a little laugh. Don't tell me you haven't been out with anyone since. He said, surprised. Well, I was so afraid to try again, she confessed. I wasn't sure you'd be around to rescue me when my date brought me home. She said it with a smile. She couldn't confess that no man in the world could compare to Blair in her mind or in her heart. She shook his hand. How did the football hero fare? He asked. 
He went back east rather suddenly. Suddenly, after my father's attorney had talked with his father, she said, strange, isn't it? Very. If he tries it again, I hope the girl's father belongs to the mob and they find him floating down some river in an oil drop. She said firmly. He laughed under his breath. This is girl. You're right. That wasn't nice at all. Can you put this on for me? I can't quite reach. She indicated a spot high on the tree where she wanted one last red bow. You can reach. He got her tall waist and lifted her easily within reach of the branch. She was so slight. It was like lifting a feather. The feel of her, the scent of her, was disturbing. She laughed. You're awful strong. She remarked when he set her down again. He moved away from her rather quickly. It comes from wrestling with my board of directors. He replied dryly. She moved back and looked at you. What do you think? It's lovely. Do you and your father have any other family? Not really. He has an aunt, but she lives overseas. He didn't have brothers and sisters. My mother did, but her other only brother died when I was in grammar school. She looked at him. Didn't Elise want to come with you? She asked. I'd love to meet her. I'm sure daddy would too. She was lying through her teeth. She never wanted to meet Elise if she could help it. She's in Europe with some friends, he said. Oh. She didn't really know what else to say. She went back to her decorating. His voice sounded raspy. Are you all right? She asked. He turned around. My chest was a bit tight. I think it's allergies. I get them this time of year. Me too, Nikki confessed. But mine usually leads to pneumonia. I had it in my early teens. I guess repeats. It's so unfair. I don't even smoke. <laughs> Neither do I, Blue Play. People around me do, however. I came here by way of Saudi Arabia. I was coughing before I got on the plane. It's probably just the allergies. She nodded, but he sounded the way she did when she was coming down with a chest infection. Men never seemed to want to admit to illness. Perhaps that thought of it is a weakness. But I didn't get up for breakfast the next morning. Nikki was worried, so she asked her father to leak on on her guest. She wasn't at all sure if he wore pajamas, and she didn't want to walk in on him if he didn't. Her father was back in. I think I better ask Doc Fred to come out here and check him. He's got a fever, and he's breathing rough. I think it's bronchitis, maybe something more. Nicky didn't have to ask how he knew. He'd seen her through pneumonia too many times in the season. That might be a good idea, she agreed. Dr. Fred Morris came out and examined Blair, prescribing a heavy cough syrup along with an antibiotic. If he isn't better in three days. If he isn't better in three days, you call me, Fred told Nicky's father. I will. And you stay out of his room until the antibiotic takes hold, Fred told Nicky's You don't need to catch this again. It might not be contagious, he wrote us. But it might be. Humor me. She managed me. Okay, Dr. Fred. Good girl. I'll be in my office until late if you need me. Told her father as they shook hands. Okay, thanks. No problem. Nikki insisted that her father call Elise and tell her that Blair was sick and needed her. Todd was reluctant, but he badgered Blair until he got the number. He called her. Nikki never knew what was said, but her father came out of his office, cold-eyed and angry. Is she coming? She asked her father made a rough sound. So she said... That's what doctors are for, getting people well. She doesn't do illness, and she doesn't want to be exposed to what he's got anyway. There's a ball tomorrow night in Vienna. A friend is taking her. Nikki felt sick to her stomach. What sort of woman had Blair married, for heaven's sakes? It's not our business, her father reminded her. He was so kind to me when Harvey attacked me. She was like, I thought he found a nice woman. He'd want to have children and take care of him. Bad chance that woman ever having a child, her father said. Might interfere with her so-called social plans. He said, "Well, we'll take care of her. Mrs. Haynes, and I will do that until it's no longer contagious." Her father, I'm not risking you. Don't even ask. She smiled. Okay, Daddy, that's my girl. Kiss the top of her. Poor guy. If it's this bad, 
and they're only been married a year or so. He let the rest of the sentence take him. Things might get better, she said, but she didn't really mean They might, and so Mrs. Haynes fixed up something to eat. I'll ask her. Ida Haynes had been the Aston's housekeeper for over 12 years. She was much a mother as the housekeeper to Nikki, who adored her. When Nikki had her six spells, Mrs. Haynes was the one who nursed her even when her father was home. He was a kind man, but he was out of place in the sick room. Not that he'd ever been unkind to his daughter. Quite the opposite. She's not coming, then. Ida asked Nikki about Blair's one. No, there's a dance in Vienna. She replied with a speaking glance. He'd have made a bit. He's a good man, Mr. Coleman, she said, pulling out plans to toss up. I hate to see him married to someone like that. Wants his money, maybe, and not him as well. But I had to take the one to get the other. He said she was beautiful. Beauty isn't beautiful, isn't an important as kind. He was like, that's what you think, too. Pity you on order, my girl, he said. Was like, Why? Yes, my Either forgot something. Sometimes how unworldly the young woman was. No things, he said quietly. I was just talking to myself. How about mints and some onion for me, and I'll get this casserole going. I'll be happy to help. Blair wasn't doing well. Nicky managed to get into his room the next day while father was out talking to his foreman, and Edie went shopping. His chest was bare, although the covers were pulled up to his diaphragm. He had a magnificent chest, <laughs> she thought, with helpless longing, broad and covered with thick curly hair, muscular mainly. He opened bloodshot, favorite eyes to look at her. She took you shouldn't be in here, he said in trouble. I might be contagious. I'm not worried. Well, not about me. You should be better right now. When an antibiotic starts working, you can feel the difference. He's doing a rest of He gave me penicillin. He usually does the trick. Maybe not this time. I'm calling him right now. She went out the door and phoned the doctor. He was preferred that she was trying to nurse me. Listen, you get it again. It might go under polaris. <laughs> now, Dr. Francis, she's hoping. You know, I've just finished a course of antibiotics. I'm not likely to pick anything up. Besides, there's nobody else to do this. Edie has her hands full just with meals, and Daddy's in the middle of a business deal. Now, Daddy's a nursery sort of person. She thought, <laughs> I see your point. Isn't Coleman married? Where's his wife? Did you call her? There's a ball someplace in Europe where she has to go dancing. She said the contempt in her voice. I see. Well, I'll phone in another prescription, something strong, a stronger cough service out. Try to get some fluids into him, and I don't want to have you wind up in my office. I'll be very careful, doctor. She promised. Thank them quickly and hung up. Later, she sent one of the ranch cowboys into town to get the new medicine, which she coaxed out of the poor-haired pharmacist, a friend from high school. Blair grumbled when she came in and more mess. Nikki, you're going to come down with this damn stuff. He complained. Just be quiet and take the next. The nice tablet she interrupted handing him a glass of orange juice with crushed ice. You know, how did you know I like this? He wanted to laugh. I didn't, but I do now. Come on, Blair, take the pill. She coaxed his mouth open and dropped a large tablet. Bully, he muttered in a deep voice. She only grinned. He sipped the juice and swallowed a few minutes. Oh gosh, is that aesthetic? I'm sorry. Oh gosh, it's aesthetic. I'm sorry. I'll get you something else. Let's embrace it. Gatorade, she suggested. I'd rather have the juice, honestly. I do wish I had some cough drops. She finished digging in the prescription. How fortunate that I asked Tex to bring some, and you can have the cough syrup, too. She pulled a spoon from her pocket, poured out a dose of the powerful cough syrup the doctor had prescribed, and took it. His dark eyes amused, affectionate as the matter. Your father's gonna raise hell if he catches you in here. She made a face at him. Edie asked me early if you'd like something like for dinner. An omelet? 
She makes them with fresh herbs. <laughs> yes, dude, I'm not really hungry. He said not wanting to hurt Edie's feelings. He hated eggs. I like eggs. We have fresh ones most of the year. When our hens aren't multi, she pops her eyes and everyone brought his. You don't like eggs, but you don't want to trouble anyone. <laughs> she let out. How about chicken noodle soup instead? He laughed. Damn, how did you figure that out? I don't know. She said, oh, I'd rather have the soup if it's not too much trouble because I hate eggs. <laughs> she ran outside Edie. He studied her soft face and narrow, thoughtfully eyes. When do you start classes again? January, she planned. I've already decided what I'll take. How do you get back and forth when the snows come? He wondered. Dad has one of the boys drive me back and forth. The cowboy who grew up in northern Montana. He can drive through anything. <laughs> Might be more sensible to get you an apartment near campus, he said. I don't have, I don't like being on my own. So quickly, he reached out, big hand, table, finger. All men aren't animals, Nikki. She struck. I suppose not. I keep thinking what would have happened if you hadn't been here that night. <laughs> His face tense. So did he. She was fragile, like a hot house orchid. It bothered him that she was in here risking her own health to nurse him while his wife was off having a wild time in Europe and couldn't be bothered to call, let alone look in on him. Never told Nikki why he really married Elsa. It had less to do with who she was than who she resembled. He just lost his mother, whom he adored, and Elise looked just like her. She came up to him at a party while he was grieving, and he'd fallen for her at first sight. Elise looked like his mother, but without her compassion and soul, Nikki oddly reminded him more of her even than Elise. Although Nikki's coloring was very different, Elise had the compassion of a hungry shark. You're very quiet, she commented. You're a nice child, he said something. I'm almost 21, she protested. Honey... I'm almost 37, he said, his voice deep with tenderness. Really? She was studying them with those wide, soft gray eyes that were silvery in the soft light of the bedside light. She laughed. You don't look it. You don't even have gray hair. Don't tell me. She was mean. You have a color, don't you? He burst out laughing and then go, Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. She said it once when she, I shouldn't have opened my mouth. He called his brother. Nikki, your brother's spring, he said. No, I don't color it, he added. My father was from Greece. His hair was still black when he died, and he was in his 60s. He didn't tell her that his real father was from Greece. He didn't tell her that his real father was from Greece. He didn't know or care where his stepfather, the man who raised him, came from. I remember my grandfather. What in the blazes are you doing in here? Talk to him now. What he saw Nicky sitting on the bed. Well, darn, cut the act. Nikki grew up. End of chapter one.